Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. All right, man, what are some of the best qualities in your wife? Now, as I think about that question, one of the things that drew me to Dina, my wife, is her sense of adventure. We met on a camp out and she was like, let's take that trail. I said, where does it go? I don't know. Let's go find out. Where's your map? What's your plan? I'm, I'm kind of, I'd what like do we to do know. with the bears that are obviously And she's there. really helped me just loosen up and be willing to say, you know, we're driving in the national forest around here in Colorado and she'll say, what about that road? And I'm like, let's find out. And I'm totally comfortable with that. That sense of adventure was really one of the winsome qualities that I still love so much about her. Today, we're going to be talking about the unique ways that husbands and wives can contribute to the health of a marriage. I'm John Fuller, joined by Greg and Aaron Smalley, and uh, here now is Focus President Jim Daly talking with author and Bible teacher Dr. Larry Crabb, and they're discussing ways that you can recognize how God made you and your spouse different. Uh, Larry, you're describing hiding, emotional hiding, really. And in the book, uh, Fully Alive, you're talking about uh, masks and how we wear different masks, which is another way of saying, I'm hiding. Talk about how we hide today as men and women, and what are those common pitfalls that we run into that prevents us from becoming fully alive in Christ? We have become personas, not persons. Huh. And that's one way of putting the idea of mask. I put something on top of me in order to get from you what I want to get. I want to hide who I really am for one big reason. This is true of both men and women. It's because somewhere in the core of my soul, to go talk about a very big, deep word, I'm terrified that if you saw me for exactly who I am, you wouldn't want me. So I've got to figure out what the culture expects of me, what you expect of me, and I've got to put that on. You know, that's a real struggle for me. I, I have the word doctor in front of my name. I'll tell you, it's really easy to hide behind that and not let people see that Larry, the real guy, my gracious, he has screwed up mess most of the time. So I've got to hide behind that. I don't have to, but I tend to do that. And I think our hiding comes out of a fear that if you really saw what I'm like, you're not going to want me. And because the deepest desire that I'm aware of in my soul is to get from you what I need. Who needs God? I'm going to get it from you. I'm going to get you to respect me. I'm going to get you to love me. I'm going to get you to impress by me. So I'm going to put on my personas and I'm going to hide who I really am and maneuver and manipulate in my relationships to get from you what I want. And Larry, it's so easy for us to look at the world and point out the errors that we see in the world. But let's talk about us, the Christian community, because as you talk about a veneer, Uh that's one of the greatest dangers. I think that's what Jesus was attacking when he went after the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, you know the words, uh, but you don't practice. It's not in your heart. And so often I'm really concerned about the culture, the Christian culture, and how we're letting each other off the hook. We're allowing that veneer to be the representation of Christ. And it's not core to who we are. It's not in our soul. We think that it is, but we're playing a game, aren't we? No, Jim, the way you put it there, that... uh that uh, we're letting our veneer become the representation of Christ. Hmm. And my, is that a failure? Yeah. Uh, that just isn't the case at all. You know, one of, the, one of the, my favorite cliches, I have a bunch of them, but here's my favorite one. We don't grow until we're willing and experience the joy of looking bad in the presence of love. Yeah. Well, as long as we're wearing a veneer, then we're basically saying grace is not essential because I'm going to give you the veneer, the mask, the hiding 
procedure, the hiding manipulative style, that's going to get you to want me without requiring you to forgive me, without requiring you to accept me at my worst, but just to want me at my best. And so grace gets eliminated when you start wearing veneers all the time. Let's drill into the genders. That's where we start. It's what your book is about, Fully Alive, a biblical vision of gender that frees men and women. So let's talk in that context, because I love to talk about the culture and where we're at in the culture, and maybe we can come back to that a little later. But when we get to men and women, uh, talk about those fears that um, women have to deal with. What are those deepest fears that women feel? We're not going to understand the deep fear in a woman or in a man until we understand what God has called a woman to reveal. And when you start looking at the text, you realize in Genesis 1, 26, when God said, let's make a male and female, the word for female there in the Hebrew is a word that literally means one who is opened to receive, not closed to control. That's really the distinction. That's quite a statement. It's a rather large statement. And that's all in the term for woman. It's, uh, the Hebrew word is nekabah. I'm probably pronouncing it badly. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I can read Hebrew scholars. And they tell me that that word literally means, most literally, the word means punctured, which is hardly a rather attractive word to describe a woman. But the etymology of the word came to mean one who is opened to receive, one who is willing to say, there is a beauty in the core of my soul based on who Jesus is, that I am opened to let you see the beauty of how Christ is invitational, how Christ is open to receive us. And I'm going to be open to receive you, which puts the woman in danger. Because think of it this way. If I'm open to receive and nobody comes, if I make myself available, say I'm open to receive your movement toward me and nobody comes, then I have to explain why did nobody come? Am well, I not attractive? Am I not desirable? Does nobody want me? And it's very interesting. And I know this is tender because of the political correctness in the culture. Oh, but yeah. when you look, and as we speak about women who have been wounded and hurt, yes. and we even talk in terms of them being vulnerable, that women are vulnerable to those p- bad relationships. That's what you're saying. A woman is so often open because she's um, starving for relationship that those um, bad situations can occur. But it's at the very core nature of a woman to be wanting relationship. Yes, it is. And if she's wanting relationship, which of course she wants, she's open to receive it. But if she's saying that the reason, the core reason I'm open to receive is to put the character of Jesus on display who said, come to me. If you're weary, if you're tired, if you're hurting, Mm. then I want you to come to me. A woman who is open to receive in order to get from somebody else other than God, then ultimately her openness is manipulative. That is a powerful statement right there. What I was going to move toward is the beauty of that, though. I I see that in my own wife. She has such a nurturing heart. And unfortunately, so many women today feel that's pejorative, that having a nurturing heart is not a positive. It's weak. It's weak, but in fact, it is incredibly strong. It's powerful. And for them to move to more male-oriented expression is not good because that's our weakness as men is that we don't have that kind of open receiving heart to be generous to those around us. That's our pitfall where women compliment us in that way, hopefully. Is that fair? That's exactly right. That's exactly the point. The, and I feel the same way about my wife. We've married over 49 years. Good for you. Yeah, we met at age 10, and um, she thought she might have a good deal in me, and she <laughs> has had some questions about that over the years, but we're working out pretty well right now. And I believe she's a very open woman. She's, uh, but see, that's what I define as feminine. 
And I think that when, the word feminine is, sounds so negative in our culture today, just frilly and, and silly and all you do is look pretty, whatever. But that's not what the word means at all. How, how does a woman in today's culture... How does a woman uh, get that biblical understanding and that balance and feel good about it? She can read it, and I'm sure her husband can even tell her. But how does she live it? How does she feel it? How does she grab a hold of it and say, it is okay to walk the nature that I feel in my heart? She's going to have to fight against the culture because the culture teachers are just the opposite. And she's going to have to get a vision of what God had in mind. That's the reason that I wrote the book, really, to give a vision to men and women for what they could be. If a woman gets some clarity about what God had in mind when he made human beings, male and female, when a woman gets some clarity about the opportunity that she has to put Jesus on display, if she can get a vision for that and by faith believe that that's where her deepest joy is going to come from, then she's going to have to start walking this narrow road, which is very, very risky. She's going to have to live by faith. She's going to have to acknowledge the fear that she has in the middle of moving in this direction, of being open, because it does make her vulnerable, and it's going to be painful at times. It's going to be difficult. Boy, I just love how Dr. Larry Crabb frames things and says things. Every word just seems so rich in meaning and is so helpful. And Aaron, Dr. Crabb explained how it's a beautiful reflection of God's heart for a woman to embrace her identity. And um, what are some ways that you've been able to do that? You know, it's, it's super important to step back. And as you care for your heart as a woman, to step back and really ask God, who do you say I am? What is true about me? Because we get so many messages from the world, from our spouse, from people with well-meaning giving us feedback. And really, it's stepping back and going, who am I? Who did you make me to be? And what giftings did you put within me that you're calling me to utilize and to use to serve those that I interact with and to glorify you ultimately? Mm -hmm. And so it's a constant process because we're barraged with these lies throughout the days of our lives. And it's looking at what is true about me. And I love how the Holy Spirit just so gently speaks those truths over you. I love when I am praying about something specific, I identify a lie and I am searching just for the truth. And just through, you know, I'll see something written or I'll see a sign or I'll see something on social media and I'll go, huh, that's exactly what's true about me. Mm. And it's so confirming within your heart. And it's it's our job to take care of our hearts and to guard our hearts against those lies. So go to the Word and find out yes. what has God said about me. You know, I think it's also a unique privilege as her husband, as I look at her, as I see her through God's eyes, that there are times when I notice things that maybe she's not even aware of. Mm. love the story in the Old Testament about Gideon. And when Gideon, before he was this you know mighty warrior, the, the, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Gideon thought he was weak and couldn't be used. And this angel of the Lord is saying, you're a mighty warrior, yeah. mighty warrior. Gideon argued, no, you're a mighty warrior. And that's really, as her husband, I get that privilege of being able to speak truth into her, things that, that she doesn't maybe realize yet or maybe is unaware of. Before Aaron went back as a counselor, that was something that I kept encouraging, going, you're so good at this. Boy, you need to do that. And, and over time, she got back into counseling and is just such a phenomenal counselor. And I just think all these couples who have been helped 
And, and God used me as a part of that yeah. to speak truth into her life. So guys, look for those things. Look for those talents and giftings that your wife has that maybe she's not aware of or is fighting. And just keep speaking that yeah. that truth Breathe into her life. life. into some yeah. dreams. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the greatest things he's done, John, is not only has he called those things out of me, but then when I take that step of faith, largely because he's, he's pushing and prompting, that he's willing to take up the slack wherever me doing that, if there's something that he can do to support at mm-hmm. home or support me, he does that. So he takes action. He just doesn't prompt and then go, good luck. He is there helping, prompting, encouraging, and taking up the slack where me stepping out maybe a little bit is leaving a hole. He's there to fill that. Mm, That's some good advice. And I hope you've been encouraged by the Smallies today. Uh, For follow-up, stop by our website and make a donation, and we'll send Dr. Larry Crabb's book, Fully Alive, which goes further into these differences and how to celebrate that. Um, and we'll also link over to our free marriage assessment. Um, both of those uh, links are in the show notes. And then plan to join us next week as we hear from Nick and Michelle Stumbo. They share how God redeemed their marriage from a pornography addiction. For now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron and the rest of our team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.